Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find the opinions and content expressed disturbing and or objectionable. So we got to get uh, back online here. Um, wow. Uh, what a couple of weeks, right? What a couple of weeks. Uh, forgive the echo as usual. Um, my studio is not built yet, and uh, I'm working diligently to get that done. But with the COVID, getting anybody out to do any construction or get uh, plans, um, things finished, um, is really tough. My office remodel, which I started before the COVID, which has actually turned out to be pretty awesome because now I can teach and do everything else uh, from my home office, started out a year ago in December on the 9th with an estimated six-week completion time. It finally got finished uh, mid-October. And that's a reflection of COVID, yes, but mostly it's a reflection of the very skilled cabinet and furniture maker who we've used for years, who's basically getting to the point where he's like, I'm done, I'm retired. So it just took a long time to get things done. Uh, the other bigger project which is gonna occur is the um, establishment of a, of a studio space for my wife and myself uh, that's properly built so that we can actually get production done uh, without being reliant upon spaces that are all up in the air at the university. And ultimately that will allow us to um, continue to do audio content with a higher production quality, I hope. And my wife, of course, being able to do what she does as a photographer um, and and just make it a very flexible place to, to do a lot of creative, creative work. I, I, I cannot wait uh, to be able to be, bring people in into a comfortable space I control do interviews with them, and hopefully build um, better better films, et cetera, uh, documentaries as well, if that becomes an issue. Uh, but what do I want to talk to you about today? We're, we finished up with um, with Neil, and Neil's a super good good dude, and I really like Neil a lot, Neil Copeland, last uh, couple weeks ago. I, I've been trying to get around to this now for going on two weeks. And um, I'll be honest with you, it's not, I'm not going to make an excuse, it's not allergies, which I do have right now. It's not um, Corona Brain. Nope. Nope. It's about uh, just how do I how do I present how do I present this without creating further division? Um, I have a very strong set of opinions about certain things. I was raised by a, a father that was deeply involved um, with politics and geography, and so from a very early age. My dad taught me a lot about how the world worked and what was going on. In fact, I've told people that my first memory was my mom plopping me down in front of a TV to watch Neil Armstrong uh, set foot on the moon. Uh, I, I will never forget that. It's still as vivid as it ever was. I was four years old. I was in Portland, Oregon, and in our house there, and um, I watched Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. My mom thought that was very, very important. The next memory I have that's very vivid in my mind, among a few others, uh, is is my dad bringing home a record recording 
for those of you who are students now, you, you understand there's a reemergence of vinyl. At one time, that was it. That's all you had was vinyl. Um, but it was a vinyl recording of the Watergate hearings uh, that the nation was basically uh, paralyzed by the fact that the powers of the executive branch had been leveraged uh, to uh, spy on political opponents. And um, it, it created... It created a, a lot of a lot of angst, a lot of concern. Now the difference then was we didn't have social media. We had, you know, three channels of television plus PBS and static. And um, you know, television started with the national anthem, and at, at six o'clock in the morning usually it ended at eleven o'clock at night with the national anthem, and then you were done. You didn't sit there and play on social media or watch YouTube videos or watch twenty four hours of TV that really doesn't tell you anything. You went to bed, and then you got up the next day, and your news was basically presented in the evening, and you had you know local and state, and then national news, and in the morning you'd have some news, but then in the afternoon you might have a half an hour of news updates. That was it. There's no 24-hour news cycle, and regardless of whether or not it was propaganda, it was highly biased and editorialized. No one really knew that. They just listened to Tom Brokaw or Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite, and they. They, you know, Peter Jennings. They, they were given, they were given the news. This is the, what what's happened today. There wasn't this continuous stream of of ed, of editorialization and pundits that if you actually go to their their education, you realize they don't have any more education than most of you do. They're just somehow pretty people who ended up uh, being able to put a a, a, a mic an earpiece in and listen to an editor tell them what to say, and um, it. it it has changed things radically. It's understood that you that you have um, people in any production studio that are talking to that person that's looking at you on the camera. They're telling them what to say, when to say it, when they're breaking for commercial, how much time to wrap up with their guest, etc. Um, if you don't know that, uh, then you need to know that because the reality is that person, that pretty face talking to you, you know, they're a person, they have an opinion, and I'm sure that they have some ideas of what's going on, but they're not the informed people you think they are. The real information that's going on in a news in a, in a news broadcast of any kind is happening where you don't see it. And, um, and of course, as we've learned recently, there are powerful biases, um, almost nakedly so now, to where you, you, you can't even trust what you're seeing. And so, why do I even bring that up? And you notice I've not spoken of parties. I've not spoken of parties. I won't, I won't do it. People who know me know I hate politics at the university. I hate politics in the, at the academy. I think we should talk about ideas. But, it, but whether you, whatever side you fall on this, you, you need to de-ignorance ignorance yourself and understand that whatever you're feeding into is based upon your confirmation biases and is carefully designed to appeal to you on a deeply psychological level. And that segues into what I'm going to talk about in a second in introducing the next segment of interviews. We are also in a period of time, and again, my father sensitized this to me, of woeful ignorance of civics, woeful ignorance of the, the actual importance of what happens in Washington. I'll give you a point. I'll give you a little example. I may have related this before about how in 2008, when the housing crisis 
uh, was upon us, and I didn't understand how the bond markets worked or anything else. I really wanted to know, why did our country just lose all this valuation? Why are we infusing trillions of dollars into an economy? What, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, what is going on here? And then, you, of course, you find out that there were these, you know, um, you know, no interest no interest loans with balloons at the end of them and you know no proof of income no proof of of assets no collateral what what happened in this massive place called washington dc with regulatory agencies out the wazoo that allowed that market to get so out of control that it crushed a ton of people in this country and what was illustrative to me is when I would fly back to California to visit my folks who hadn't had the sense yet to move to Utah, which now my they all they agree that was the best thing they could have done. I would go to California and I'd see my brother and my sister and my other sister for a time until she moved to Utah, and uh, my my dad and my mom. And I'd fly into Sacramento, and I can tell you that when the housing bubble burst, what was amazing to me. I, and I should start with this, that I'd be on these Southwest flights before 2008, and I'd be listening to these conversations around me, you know, because people love to broadcast the world, their cell phone conversations on airplanes. So I'm listening to this one dude one time. He's saying, yeah, you know, we've we've increased our equity $100,000 in a year on that house. And I'm like, how does anybody increase home equity by $1,000 on a house in a, actually, it wasn't even a year, it was three months. And if you understood the California housing market, that there is no place to build anymore. I mean, they're, they're, that's why these houses burn by the thousands. They end up going into the forests, and the forests have burned for millennia. That's how the forests repopulate themselves. But there's no room for people. And so they all build in these tinderbox forests that should burn normally, right? But because people live there and they build these massive you know, highly expensive homes, we fight fires um, that otherwise should have been allowed to burn in some areas. And it, it devastates people. Uh, because we're not following normal range management practices. There's a whole reason for that. There's a lot of political reasons. Point is, is that they got to build homes. And so you'd see these housing tracks where you'd have basically three different home designs, but 300 of them. And that's the only thing you got, three different home designs. And they'd be plopping up everywhere. They were chewing up rice fields. They were chewing up agricultural land. They were chewing up airports. They were chewing up everything. And just plopping down 300 new homes. And I would sit there and look at that and go, what is happening here? Well, when the bubble hit, and I knew from those conversations I hear on airplanes by people, something is deeply flawed. If there is that much equity being generated, what is happening here? When the housing bubble burst, I went for several years back and forth to California and would see these housing developments that just stopped. It was like a, the EMP bomb the electromagnetic pulse bomb had gone off, or the neutron bomb, really. And it killed every heat living thing, but it left all the material. You know, let's look up neutron bomb if you want to. You'll know what that was designed to do. Anyway, because you'd see housing developments that had just had the lower, the, the below ground infrastructure put in. So you'd see the lines and power, power conduits coming out of the ground and some light stanchions and maybe the road. And then you'd see some that were in, uh, the houses were framed and they were roofed, but there was no walls on them. Then you'd see some that had sheathing on them. And you'd see some that were in more or less states of repair, but there'd be 300 of them at the same place because these giant construction um, contracting firms were building them at the same time. Well, of course, when the housing market burst and we shed all the jobs and we shed all the equity, there was no one to pay those builders anymore. They all went bankrupt. They just declared bankruptcy because there was no cash infusion to allow them to keep building their homes. And if you want to get a, get a hold of this, I really advise people to read read the big short first and then watch the movie. 
the movie is very true to the book, and it really clarifies things. Because you'll be a little bit confused coming off the book, reading the big short, and when you see the movie, it'll all make sense to you. You'll put, you'll synthesize this and go, my goodness, what was happening? Well, let me tell you what was happening, actually, what was not happening. Because I was also going into D.C., because in my other life roles, I spend some time there periodically, and so I'd go to D.C., and there were tower cranes everywhere. There were tower cranes everywhere. The city never stopped building, ever. Even though the country was collapsing, the city was still building. Now, I would tell you that the cynical part of me, which I really am working against as I try to embrace my inner Mr. Rogers the older I get, the, the cynic in me says, this is District 1. This is the Hunger Games is what this is. This is the capital that doesn't produce anything. It, when you think about it, the, the capital of our country doesn't produce anything. It produces legislation, yes, but it doesn't produce goods, services, energy, any of that stuff. Food, it doesn't produce any of that. Where's all the money coming from? Well, the money's coming from us. They have a revenue generator. One of them is called the Federal Reserve Bank, where they can just add zeros to the balance sheet and and make more money, right? Uh, One of it's called taxation, where you end up with tax revenue flowing in. And there was no sense of fiscal or fiduciary responsibility that I could see as a person coming in. Like I say, there's tower cranes everywhere. They're building and building and building. In the meantime, on this, in Sacramento, everything just stopped. What is happening here? So this is a long way of getting to, to um, what I want to talk about. Uh, but there's a reason for it. So there's a great show uh, on British television by a guy, I think it was Burke. What's his name? Not Bill Burke. That's our dean, one of our deans. It's, um, maybe it was Bill Burke. I'll find it for you. Anyway, called Connections. And Connections was a series I highly recommend it if you can find it. Maybe it's on BritBox or something. BritBox. It's a streaming service uh, for TV. I think you can get through Amazon. Well, my son got it because he wants to watch old episodes of Doctor Who. Anyway, uh, on BritBox, I'll look. But but a beautifully done show where he would put together, he'd say, here's the thing you take for granted today, but this is how it came about. And completely unrelated things, technologies and inventions and discoveries that would ultimately lead to, say, a cell phone. I mean, you don't understand a modern cell phone has a GPS system in it, has a has a power storage system in it, it has to network with software with um, the communication system and the, and the phone system. I mean, these are all disparate technologies that came together to form what you take for granted now is probably the most powerful computer, one of the most powerful computers you use every day. So, you, so when I talk on, on rotations, I'm deeply moved to make connections. And here's the connection I'm going to make that goes into what I want to talk about before we launch into our next three-episode series. And that is what is happening in the nation right now because of politics. Now, you understand that we have mechanisms for everything that's happening right now, right? They take time. The election, as I record this, and it'll go up the same today or tomorrow, latest. it's November 12th. There is over a month left, one month, to certify an election. There's no lapse in power. We are not currently engaged in a war overseas uh, of Tinny speak of. The president's trying to get all the troops out of Afghanistan. That will solve a lot of problems. There are troops in Iraq and Syria and other places that you don't often hear. You don't never hear about in the news. 24 hours of news, you never hear about where our troops are, right? That's weird, isn't it? Um, but anyway, there's going to be no... You know, they, they make a big to-do over, oh my gosh, if the transition doesn't occur right now, if if president... I can't... I, they, 
We don't know if he's president-elect, but he could well be, right? He could well be. If, if, if Mr. Biden, former Vice President Biden, is in fact the certified president of the United States, uh, winner of the election, then he will be president-elect Biden, and he will be um, then the president of the United States. And, and that's, that's the, our, our representative form of democracy, right? Um, it's a, that's how it works. So, but there are mechanisms, and there is no big pressing need right now. Right, the Chinese have not invaded Taiwan. There's, there's no worry to start reading people in on national security level issues, when there is, in fact, a concern. Now, you people go to small claims court all the time. They go to Judge Judy and stuff and say this this person stole my dog, and this person says no, it was always my dog. And Judge Judy sits there and negotiates it. Now, you think I'm being I'm trivializing something, and I'm not. We are a country that has founded itself on the rule of law and equality under the law, right? We determine almost everything by the use of the law. That's what makes us all equal, that we don't have, you know, divine right. There's no king, although I seem to think a lot of Americans believe there is. And if you're a person like me, you've been under so many command changes that in an operation that you realize, so who cares really who's running the show at the top? I mean, other than the obvious issues of competency and are, do they have a strategy? But, but otherwise, there's so many layers of systems that protect the continuity of what's going on that, yes, a single person can do a lot of damage, but there are a lot of ways to mitigate damage. And so I am one of those people, I'm not particularly concerned about transitions of power because they're going to happen no matter what. And we're not in a crisis system. This isn't, hey, the boys just landed on Omaha Beach, and um, now we have to have a transition of power, right? I mean, it's not the same thing. We're not in a deep global crisis right now. What we are in a crisis over, and you need to consider this. You don't have to believe me. Just consider it. Is do we believe in the rule of law? Do we believe in the rights of people to say, I think I have been the victim of something. I'd like someone to look into this, that someone being the legal system. And I've been a victim as defined by, I believe laws have been broken that affected me directly. And there are people who will be triggered saying, it's, it's just the president being petulant and, 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 and mean-spirited or whatever. This happens with every president. They sue all the time. And if you don't know that, you're not paying close enough attention. Every president has to resort to legal suits to get a lot of things done. We've seen it in every presidency, and it's, it defies party. But what is really important is that we know that our system is not corrupt, and it's worth it to find that out, because there's been so many allegations of it, and there's half of the country that will not like it very much if, if, we, if they just feel that, no, nope, it doesn't matter if it's corruption or not, we're just going to move on. There's half the country that says, by golly, we won, we're going to go. Well, where do you think that ends up? In my mind, it ends up in the kind of conversations that are being had in 1855 in this country among members of the U.S. military, a third of which decided to say, I'm, I'm done, peace out, going south. And, and you say, well, okay, fine, we took care of that. Yeah, we took care of it at a tremendous price and damage to this country. Some would argue that we've never fully recovered from that. What does that have to do with medicine? Whether you like it or not, you're in the middle of this. And I have had found myself having to. You can't. You don't block people on Facebook anymore. What you do is you, um, you just don't see their stuff. And my colleagues who may listen to this know I don't tolerate politically divisive stuff. I don't care if you have a philosophical discussion. 
but do it professionally, do it rationally with respect for the people around you. Don't castigate entire groups. Don't generalize. You know, we saw some of that in the minority communities where people just said, you know, there's only one monolithic way to think about what your choices are. And we have many people in the minority communities in this country say, you're not going to think for me. I am an equal, I'm, I'm an equal person to everybody else. I get my own vote. I get my own opinion. If you don't know that that's happened, then you're not paying attention. The same thing goes on university campuses with the deep politicization of the university campus right now. This is a serious problem and people don't want to listen to it because they are in their own confirmation bias and echo chamber. But you are going to find a big problem in American higher academics if people in leadership don't start throttling back on the rhetoric. Half of this country does not believe the way the other half of this country does. And if we're going to have a peaceful country, we have to allow room without constant indoctrination of differing opinions. Otherwise, it's going to create friction. And as I've said before about earthquakes, earthquakes in California, we always look for microtremors because microtremors are good. It means that plates are relieving stress in and amongst themselves. What you don't want is a Loma Prieta earthquake happening in any one spot. It's devastating. And that's what will happen. It's happened before multiple times in our country's history, and it usually results in innocent people paying the price. As I like to say, it's not our job to scare grandma. We got a lot of elderly people, vulnerable people in this society that don't need to see this kind of craziness that's going on. I just talked to one of my friends who leans to a different direction than I do and lives in Philadelphia. And I said, what's Philadelphia like? And they said, well, the, 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 the atmosphere is electric. It's electric. People are so excited because Biden seems to have taken the election. Well, I said, what happens if the courts find that, in fact, there was fraud and that he doesn't? And my friend said, they will burn this place down. Like, what? That's the option? So the courts look at everything that's done, determine that something was wrong, and the response is, we're going to burn it down. Well, whether you fall left or right, whether or not your candidate won or didn't, if the option in the United States today is, I don't get what I want, so I burn things down, we got a deep, deep, deep problem. And it's not medical. Well, it is medical, it, it's, but it's not physiological. Well, it might be physiological. I don't know. We're going to find out. It's not a hemorrhage problem in the literal sense. It's not a trauma problem. It's not I'm losing my sight, eyesight from cataracts, which you're going to find out from Brian Giles in a couple of weeks how that all works. It is a psychological problem. And so after 22 minutes of yapping away, on this and riffing, I want to tell you that I'm compelled because of what I see as utter hysteria. I, I deactivated one of my Twitter accounts this week because I'm seeing utter hysteria by people. People who live in a grand country that, that has people that could land rockets on their tail, where we grow more food than we need and we ship out excess to the rest of the world, where we have more energy than we need and we are now a net energy exporter where we manufacture amazing things and we have amazing services. And yes, we have some little failings here and there, but for a country of 330 million people, we do a pretty good job. It's very hard to manage that sort of thing, as I've told people, and maybe you've heard it before. The Soviet Union with total autocratic control that they could just, where you were property of the state, they could just shoot you if they wanted to, literally, which they did. My experience was not in Russia, it was in East Germany, and they killed a whole bunch of people trying to leave East Germany, the East German government did. 
No joke. You can go and you can see it. There's photographs of people being shot in the wires trying to leave and find a different way of life. In complete totalitarian state, the Soviet Union, 240 million people, the whole Warsaw Pact collapsed. They could not control it. And they didn't have social media. They had they didn't have any any contested contesting voices. All they had to total propaganda control in the Soviet Union. They could control everything. Radio Free Europe was about the only thing that was out there telling people there's a different way of doing things. And and by the way, it collapsed after we abandoned the hunger Hungarians in their revolution. The Hungarians tried to overthrow their government in the 1950s. Read the bridge at Andau by James Michener. It's not fiction. It's a wonderful book. Michener's a good author. You should read the bridge at Andau. And read about the Hungarian Revolution, what happened. Now, the Hungarians begged for us to come in and help them. They wanted to be free, and we just turned a blind eye on them. They've been listening to Radio Free Europe their whole lives. And when they decided to rebel, no Americans showed up. And then the Russians showed up. And that was the end of the Hungarian Revolution. So we're going to do psychology. Don Graham is a colleague of mine, and she is a, she's also, I guess, we don't have bosses per se at the university. I mean, not in the conventional sense. The deans are my bosses. The chairs are my bosses. Don, as an instructor of record, is one of my bosses. Uh, but Don is a uniquely pleasant person. She's an upper Midwesterner. She's a um, person that likes to go to community events like the Papa Festival, and she likes to be in her. She wants a bass boat, and she, 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 she is a really nice person. You just have to know Don Graham and. She has a PhD and she's a psychologist and we're going to talk about psychology. But what the last week has shown me is that we can't have a bunch of psychologically unhinged people in this country. And if we can't have that, we got to figure out how to fix that. And so I think what I'm going to do is through the course of the next year, um, absences for work-related issues notwithstanding, I'm going to try to develop psychology and behavioral health more fully. I'm going to reach out to one of my friends who's a forensic psychologist and see if she'll come in and talk to us about the criminal justice system and what happens in that with people who have mental illness and disease. I'm going to talk to people who are general psychologists, and maybe even I can find a pediatric psychiatrist and we can talk about that. And I want to fully develop what's happening in this country. Someone told me the other day, well, this side will be crying if, if, some, if the election doesn't go the right way. It's great to see them cry. And I was like, first of all, that side doesn't cry. They're not the ones burning cities down. And most likely, if they have legal assurance that everything was right, they're going to accept the terms of the election like they did when President Obama was elected or President Clinton was elected. The side that I see really disturbed by all this is not that side. It's a group of people that seem to think that their only course of action is to demonstrate with physical violence their feelings. I don't know what to make out of that. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, just discussing it, of course, will trigger people. So please review what I said. I didn't put a value judgment on that other than to say, I don't like the fact that grandmas get scared when the cities are burning. Um, I, what I've said is, I want to look at why. And I want medical students to be sensitive about this. I'll end with this. Because I've had the benefit of 34 different countries in, in, my, in my travel log, I've seen the world in a lot of different ways. Um, and I am not a person that is going to um, be a cynic about my own country. I can find the flaws in it. I can also find the fact that I can get food anywhere. Even, you know, I, you know, it, 
you go to McDonald's right now and sausage McMuffins, bear with me, sausage McMuffins, which have a caloric density nearly double that of an egg McMuffin, are more expensive than, or less expensive than egg McMuffins. So if I have to eat calories and survive, I can do it super cheaply. When I can buy two sausage McMuffins with egg and, and knock through 900 calories right there, right there, 900 calories. When an Egg McMuffin will cost me twice, two Egg McMuffins will cost me twice that much with 600 calories. We can keep people fed in this country. And there's a whole argument. I know my, people will stop there and they won't look at what I purely said, which is if you need calories, okay, for survival, we can do that really cheaply. Don't go down the rabbit hole. If you have an obesity, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, do, can you find food cheap in this country with high caloric density to keep you alive? Yes, you can. Can you find resources, and this isn't for everybody, but can you find resources to get help if you need it? In almost all cases, you can. There are people who do fall through the, through the cracks, and that's something we need to be sensitive to and try to address. It's not helpful to dismantle the charitable, uh, the non-government charitable giving systems that we've had for centuries that met those needs, and that happens too. It's a different discussion. But we can do that. What we're really, you know, medically, most people have clean water. Most people don't have um, enter, 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 enteric diseases. Most people, our problem is not physiological in terms of our, our system. Our problem is physiological in terms of our brain souls. We need to look at that because this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue over time. And we need to figure out how that works. We don't have enough psychiatrists. We don't have enough psychologists. Our system isn't built to support them. And we're going to need more capacity in that because I'm telling you, there are some really disturbed people. And I'm not saying disturbed in a negative sense. I'm saying these people are suffering because they live in a world where they think it's collapsing around them. So we're going to explore that. Uh, I, I ask you to re-listen to what I've said today before you start firing off vitriolic, hateful emails or whatever you want to to my deans or anybody else. I want to end clearly by saying I'm not castigating anybody. I'm saying I'm concerned. I'm concerned when I look out the door and see the fear and terror that is occurring in people's minds over systems that aren't all that... They aren't all that important in the greater scheme of things. And yet, there seems to be a hyper-reactive response to events that there are control measures for, there are regulations for, there are laws to monitor, that they're all in existence. But something is happening. So with that, I'm going to give you Don Graham. Listen to her. Uh, listen to what she has to say. And then I'm going to start looking for various people in behavioral mental health this year to talk about these topics. And I'm going to try to do the best I can not to make them biased. Um, forgive me, I have my own biases. I recognize that. That will come through in how I do things. As much as I try to think about how it shouldn't, it will. Forgive me, I don't mean to. And um, I'll try to point that out uh, and say, look, I'm going to ask some questions from my perspective and worldview. Uh, filter out the bias guest and give me straight what you think. Okay? So with that, I wish you a wonderful November 12th. Um, it is the day after Veterans Day, which is nice. And um, I'm going to get back to studying COVID and editing this so I can get it up. And then I've got already got the first episode of Dawn edited. And so I'll put that up probably next week or late. Yeah, it's already Thursday, so I might as well put it up Monday if I can. And then we'll just move on through it. And um, I, will, I will plug Brian Giles in there too. 
uh, because you need to hear about ophthalmology. But with that, I bid you a good afternoon. Take care. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medicine and science as part of the media and medicine family of medical storytelling. The opinions and comments expressed on Rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of the Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communications. Guests on Rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. This episode of Rotations was produced by Todd Fredericks. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and a few people we sometimes pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve the right to all content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators. You must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by tweeting us at Medical Cinema for Todd, at Prof Plow for Brian. Nisarg Bakshi for Nisarg Bakshi and at Rotations PCAST or by visiting mediaandmedicine.com slash rotations. Check us out on Facebook at Media and Medicine. And finally, for me, Todd Fredericks, you can also send me a message through my Facebook page at TR Fredericks. But please, I have a sense of feelings, so embrace your inner non